Please stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's holy word, before the preaching of God's word. 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 15. Hear now the word of Almighty God. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God, that it is able to make us wise unto salvation, that it is sacred and holy, that it is God-breathed and profitable. Help us as we consider your word to grow in the knowledge of it, that we may be set in your pathway concerning the truth and doctrine and concerning our duty in reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We continue our series on foundations of faith. This evening we'll consider God as the author of Scripture, and we'll look at it mainly from the Old Testament, and God willing, look at the New Testament witness to the same fact, God willing, next Sabbath. Verse 15 tells us that from a child, while still in his mother's belly, Timothy, or even as a newborn child, from that point till now, he came to know the Holy Scriptures, or the Holy Scriptures emphatically thou hast come to know. Know means here to perceive or to see with the mind's eye, to have a mental grasp, a clear sight of the Scriptures. These writings are referred to as holy, not as the general term for holy, but that which relates to the sacred oracles of God, to his holy worship, to the law, the testimony, the prophets, the Psalms, there with the ark at the altar in the Holy of Holies. He says to Timothy that these specific holy writings or scriptures are able. It is these scriptures which have the power or the ability to make thee wise, to give you the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding that leads to salvation. Salvation being through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures give, the holy scriptures give a sort of wisdom that leads a man to salvation in this particular means, even through faith in Christ. Notice there verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, all scripture, or literally, it could be translated every single scripture. It could be all scripture, the whole taken as a unit, or it could be each individual part. Both are true. Is every single part of the sacred scriptures inspired by God? Yes. Is the whole thing taken as a unit, breathed out by God? Yes. Both are true. And this word given by inspiration is one word in the Greek, theanoustos. 
Theos is God and noustos is breathed out. So the scriptures, the holy scriptures are breathed out by God himself. They are God's oracle, his mouthpiece. Every single part, every verse, every word, every phrase, the arrangement of the words, the vowels, the consonants, all breathed out by God himself. John Calvin comments on this. He says, this is a principle which distinguishes our religion from all others, that we know that God hath spoken to us and are fully convinced that the prophets did not speak at their own suggestion, but that being the organs of the Holy Spirit, they only uttered what they had been commissioned from heaven to declare. So we know this. Do the Mohammedans know this about their prophet? No, they don't. They're guessing. What about the golden plates of the Mormons? No idea. What about the mystic trances of the heathens? Who knows? Could have been on drugs. Could have been some demon. Who knows? We know that God has spoken. We have a record from God himself. Calvin goes on, whoever then wishes to profit in the scriptures, let him first of all lay down this as a settled point, that the law and the prophets are not a doctrine delivered according to the will and pleasure of men, but dictated by the Holy Spirit. That is, dictation is where you tell someone else, write down my thoughts. You, I'm going to tell you my thoughts, you write them down. That's dictation. Calvin is saying that the law and the prophets, the Spirit of God dictated to the prophets what they should write down, and they wrote it. William Perkins comments. He says, The scripture is the word of God written in a language fit for the church by men immediately called to be clerks or secretaries of the Holy Ghost. Again, same idea. Dictation, being a clerk, being a secretary. James Usher says, God alone is to be counted the author of scripture who inspired the hearts of those men whom he chose to be his secretaries, who are to be held only the instrumental causes thereof. They're like a pin in the hand of God. God is speaking. The prophets are his mouthpiece. They're, they're his secretaries. They take his words and write them down. I note then this doctrine. The sacred scriptures alone are God-breathed. They are God's word. They are God's oracles. The sacred scriptures alone are God-breathed. They are God's word. They are God's oracles. And this is what Paul is saying. Those scriptures that you knew, Timothy, as an infant until now, these ones able to make you wise unto salvation, these oracles are God-breathed, he says. They're not the fancy or the will of men. They're not the breath of Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah. They are the words of God himself. Every single part, Jesus refers to the jot and the tittle. The smallest of the consonants and vowels in the Hebrew Old Testament, those are breathed out by God as well. 
But here is raised an objection. This is a mere theory imposed on the Bible. Certainly the Bible doesn't consider itself to be some kind of dictation from God, some magic inspiration. No, all serious scholars in our day agree that the Bible is the product of Paul and the culture he lived in or Moses and the ancient Egyptian wisdom, ancient Near East literature. Certainly all of us scholars agree the Bible's not just the word of God. No, we don't believe in dictation inspiration, they say. Certainly you must make room for the personal thoughts and errors of the human penmen in scripture. Now in answer to this very common objection. You might think I'm making this up. I am not in the least. In answer to this objection, let us examine what the scriptures themselves say. Please open to Exodus 4. We're going to do a sword drill this evening. We're going to look at several passages of scripture so that we may see how the Bible speaks of itself. First in the Old Testament, then God willing next week in the New. Exodus chapter 4, look at verse 12, if you would, please. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Okay, is this dictation? Yes. Verse 13, and he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite, thy brother. I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart, and thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of what? God. You see how the Bible works? God says, I will put words into your mouth, Moses. And then you're going to be like God to Aaron. How is that? Because you'll put words in his mouth. You will make him say the words that I give to you. Do you see how the Bible itself conceives of the process of inspiration? Does it say that Moses would be so wise in all the ancient learning that he would take the good things from ancient Near East culture and prop them into the Bible? Is that what it says? No. I'll be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. You'll be like God to Aaron because you'll put words in his mouth for him to say, and he will faithfully deliver those words. He'll be thy spokesman. Look down at verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Moses, right? Aaron, ancient Near East literature. Is that what it says? Thus saith the Lord. Israel is my son. This is God speaking, not Moses. 
even my firstborn, and I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me, and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Who's talking? Well, it's God. Who's the instrumental cause? Who's the secretary? Who's the one who takes the dictated message? Moses. Aaron. You see that? That's how the Bible works. Now, did Moses faithfully do this? Yes. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith who? The Lord, God of Israel, let my people go. Look down at chapter 7, a few pages over, page 67 of your pew Bibles. Chapter 7, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, in this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. You see, God is speaking to him through Moses. Look down at chapter 9, verse 1, page 69. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. Chapter 10, verse 3. Next page over. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. Chapter 11, verse 4. Page 72. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. Notice, God speaks to Moses, tells him what to say. Moses speaks to Aaron, tells him what God told him to say. Aaron speaks to Pharaoh, and who is speaking? God himself. The verbal word delivered to Pharaoh, the written word delivered to us, both are, thus saith the Lord. Please turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 30, page 236 of your pew Bibles. Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, you're going to get a vision, you're going to hear a voice, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and God starts talking in your ears. Is that what he's talking about? If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are, what? Written in this book of the law. Wait a second. This book, a written document, is the voice of God? Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. That's precisely what you hold in your lap. The voice of God speaking as if audibly from heaven speaking to us. Please turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Page 505. What does the Bible say of itself? King Amaziah, 25 years old, when he began to reign. He did what was right, verse 2 tells us, in the sight of the Lord, though not with a perfect heart. Verse 3, now it came to pass, when the kingdom was established to him, that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father, but he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law, 
in the book of Moses where the Lord commanded, saying. Now notice, when he read the Bible and he looked at the passage in the law of Moses, what was he to think about that specific written document? Well, notice, where the Lord commanded, saying. That is God speaking to you in that book. That's what he's saying. God commanding me, God speaking to me, how? By the written statutes of Scripture itself. Please turn over to Nehemiah chapter 8, page 543. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. They're seeking to rebuild the temple, to reestablish the worship of God, so they go to the word. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses. Notice, who commanded in the law? The Lord did. Who was the instrumental cause, the secretary, the clerk? Moses. Who is it that spoke there in that book? God himself. God breathed. Please open to Isaiah chapter 1, page 707. This doesn't change throughout the Old Testament. This is a consistent theme. When we read the written documents, when they heard the voice of the prophet preaching audibly in their ears, they were not to say, well, yeah, that's your opinion. That's just a book. No, this is God speaking to you. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Give, hear, O heaven, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children. Is that Isaiah talking right there? It's God. Israel's my son. I have nourished him. I have brought him up. I want all the universe to hear, he says. Now look down at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. When Isaiah wrote these words, they were God's words. They still are, as a matter of fact. If the people heard Isaiah preach these words, they were God's words, not Isaiah's. But what about Jeremiah? Certainly he sings a different tune. Jeremiah chapter 1. These are the major prophets. Jeremiah 1, verse 1. The words of Jeremiah. Ha! See, pastor, you're totally wrong. They're his words. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Now, what were the words of Jeremiah? The word of the Lord. And in fact, 
He doesn't stop using that phrase. Look over at chapter 2 of Jeremiah, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying... Now look at verse 5. Thus saith the Lord. Now let's go to chapter 3, verse 6, page 764. Or excuse me, 767. Wait a second. 3.6 is on 766. The, the Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king... Who's he talking about? Whose word is this? Whose message is he delivering? Chapter 4, verse 1. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith who? The Lord. Chapter 6, verse 6 of Jeremiah. Chapter 6, verse 6, page 770. For thus hath the Lord of hosts said. Look down at verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Look down at chapter 7, next page over, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Look down at verse 21, same page. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Turn over to chapter 13, page 777. Chapter 13, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord unto me. Go and get thee a linen girdle, put it on upon thy loins. So he did it according to the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, notice, whose word does Jeremiah deliver? Is it the words of Jeremiah? Well, instrumentally, yes, he's the secretary. He's the one who takes the dictated words from the Lord and he gives them to the people. But whose message is it? It is the word of the Lord. Now let's turn to the promise of promise. Everyone loves Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31, quoted in the New Testament several times, an important passage and promise of God. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Who said this? Was this some famous scholar? This amazing priest from Anathoth, Jeremiah himself? No. Saith the Lord. I note then this doctrine. The Holy Scripture, according to its own testimony, has God, who is truth itself, for its author. The Holy Scripture according to its own testimony, has God who is truth itself for its author. And we've seen this, haven't we? God's relationship to the prophets is illustrated by the relationship of Moses to Aaron. I will put words in your mouth. You put those words in his mouth. You will be to him a God. He will be to you a prophet. That's how the scriptures work. Moses then would be or act as the spokesman of God unto the people. God was the source of the words that Moses was to speak, and Aaron would receive them from Moses. And when the written word, that is the law or the prophets, when someone refers back to it and says, what about this Bible? It's God's voice. It's God speaking. It's God saying. It's God commanding. It is, thus saith the Lord. God said, the Lord said. 
In fact, we'll see in the New Testament, when they say it is written, it's the same thing as saying God said or God says. It is written and God said mean the same thing according to the New Testament, but we'll look at that more in detail, God willing, next week. This stands as a rebuke to all pantheistic notions of inspiration. That inspiration is organic. That is that it grows up like a seed grows up amidst the culture and the human personality and the era of history and blah, 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 blah. The Bible, well, you see, Paul says that women ought to submit to their husbands, but you must understand, Paul lived in a patriarchal culture. You see, so it's not the word of God, it's the word of Paul, and maybe there's some of God in there, and then there's the culture, and you kind of blend it all up, and that's the Bible. Hogwash. The Bible is the judge of men. Men are not competent judges of the Bible. It is not merely a human book. We do not need to understand the intricacies of human thought and depravity in order to understand the Bible. You know, some people believe this. Well, in order to understand the Apostle Paul, you must understand Second Temple Judaism. What's that? What's the Talmud? So I have to understand this many volumes of Jewish nonsense to understand the Apostle Paul? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't need to understand ancient Near East literature, Second Temple Judaism, blah, blah, blah-ism. I don't need it. I have the Word of God. God has spoken in language that men can understand, children can understand. This notion is that of beasts who say, well, you must understand the Babylonian eschatology if you would understand Paul's eschatology. No, I do not. I must understand the written word to understand the written word because Paul is not the author. God is. Are you a human with a rational capacity to understand words, sentences, paragraphs, and propositions, then you can understand the Bible. It's that simple. You don't need to make it super complex and get a PhD so that some sneering liberal can tell you the Bible's garbage and you shouldn't listen to it. Well, guess what? He's garbage and I shouldn't listen to him. God has spoken, thus saith the Lord. In exhortation then, Receive these holy scriptures, not as the word of men, but as the holy scripture is in truth the word of God, which worketh also effectually in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 Receive the holy scripture not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Lay it up in your heart that you might not sin against God. As the Apostle James says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. James 1, 21. Believe its promises, its histories, its miracles. Tremble at its threats of judgment, of the lake of fire and brimstone which we just read. Heed its call to repent 
to lay aside your sins, turn from them, confess and forsake them. Rejoice in the promise of salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Lay hold of its Savior, Jesus Christ, who died that we might live, who is made poor that we might become rich, who is made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Thus far the exposition of the word of God, as it is in truth, God, the author of scripture. Let's pray.